Welcome to Rental Equip Talk Radio with your host, Donald Charbonnet. This is the radio program designed for industry insiders, as well as anyone interested in getting into the rental equipment industry. Now, here is Donald Charbonnet. Hello, and welcome to Rental Equip Talk Radio. I'm your host, Donald Charbonnet, broadcasting from New Orleans uh, today, January the 16th, 2019. Big thank you to all our listeners, uh, tell your friends and associates. Thanks in advance for our sponsor today, ARA Insurance Services. Remember, you can always listen on demand after the show, and be sure to let me know if there's a certain guest or subject you'd like to have in the show. A note to you advertisers, the ARA show is coming up in February. If you want to send a special message out to my listeners, please let me know. It's very affordable. Give them a personal invitation to visit your display. After all, there are hundreds of them. Today we have a very, very special show for you. My guests today are Tony Connaught, CEO of the American Rental Association, and Phil Keeling, President and CEO of ARA Insurance Services. These men are part of the backbone of the industry and work tirelessly to make the industry better. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Donald. Uh, Tony, I'd, I'd like to start with you, and I want to give the listeners a little bio. Uh, Tony is the CEO of the ARA, as I mentioned. He joined ARA in November of 2016 and is responsible for enabling operational excellence across the organization and building capabilities to support ARA's strategic plan. His professional experience includes over 20 years working in the operations and supply chain functions at world-class companies like Intel, BASF, Whirlpool, and Bank of America. Most recently, he was the COO at the Institute for Supply Management, a not-for-profit association focused on the supply chain management profession. He earned a BS degree in operations management from Madonna University and an MBA from the University of Florida. He also completed his Six Sigma Black Belt certification from the University of California, San Diego. Tony, again, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Donald. Okay. Well, we've got a lot of ground to cover uh, in an hour, so let's jump right into it, okay? Uh, Tony, you've been leading the association for over two years now. Uh, what were some of your initial impressions when you joined, and uh, have any of those changed over the last two years? So when, when I joined, Donald, I was pretty familiar with the equipment side of the industry. Um, I'm a do-it-yourself kind of guy, so the general tool um, the general tool inventory was pretty familiar to me, and the, the heavy equipment was all reasonably familiar to me. The, uh, the party and event side of the industry, I really didn't understand at all. So I, I would say that when I came in, I really knew that I had a lot to learn about the party and event uh, segment. And there, there's a lot happening there. I mean, that is one of the fastest growing segments of our membership. The, um, the members there tend to be on the younger side, really engaged, really motivated. So I would say that one of my initial impressions was that I really had to come up to speed quickly to understand that segment. And, and over the past two years, I would say that the, there's a lot of energy uh, there. It tends to be a little bit easier to get a business going on the party and event side. So we see more, more business activity there in terms of new startups. Um, but in general, the, the association and the industries had an amazing two years, and it was certainly uh, you know, on, a, on, a, on a high before that. Um, 
rates are doing pretty well. Um, most most folks had a great year last year. I know everybody's a little bit nervous about you know 2019 and going forward, but I don't think anybody expects any sort of sharp decline. It's more of a, a leveling off. As I talk to folks uh, folks uh, across the segments and across the country. Um, but yeah, it, it's been a really good two years, and for me, it, it's about now focusing on where we go forward and, and how we continue to support the growth of the industry uh, for the next several years. Gotcha, gotcha. So, as as there have been changes over the last couple of years, uh, it seems like there's kind of a new wave of change that uh, that we're riding at this point. Uh, do you do you feel that same wave coming? Well, certainly on the uh, on the heavy equipment side, you know the the uh, the things that would come to t- or are top of mind for me are consolidation. When I talk to folks, I mean you can't avoid that. When the largest player in the industry, uh, you know, is going to do over eight billion dollars in revenue this year, that that's always going to get a lot of attention. So, United Rentals is, uh, you know, is always part of the conversation when when we're talking about heavy equipment or what they're going to do next. <clears throat> Just being the size and scale that they are, they're uh, they're a natural leader and they're driving um, a lot of where the industry's going in terms of uh, technology and uh, and talent. So you know, as as the association, we've uh, historically been focused on the smaller independent rental houses, but as these large companies, the Uniteds and Sunbelts and and Herks of the world, have uh, have really you know, gotten a lot of uh, a lot of mass behind them. You know, we we as an association have taken a look at how we need to sort of change our support structure and serve everybody in the industry, in including the large the large rental companies. Sure. And on the on the people side, I would say that um, you know, going back to the the first question, the energy in the industry is is really amazing. Uh, the young professionals. Uh, you know, the folks in that 20 to 40 range, there seems to be a kind of a wave of, of, of generational takeovers or transitions that are happening in, in the family businesses where the, the younger folks are really starting to take the reins. They've been working in the business for a while, but now they've, they've either bought a, a majority stake in the business or they've taken it over. So uh, young professionals now have uh, have a voice in the association through our Young Professionals Committee, which has been great. And we can we can talk a little bit about some of the things that that are happening there. And then the women in rental. So I'll, I'll call them underserved segments of of the rental industry, being young professionals and women. Um, the women in rental initiative that we launched um, this summer. Is, is getting a lot of traction. We've got our first meeting in Moline, face-to-face meeting next week, but regardless of size of the company or industry segment, whenever we talk about women in rental, the uh, organizational leaders are all on board and very supportive. So I think that's going to be another really good committee and just giving uh, a voice to, to folks in the industry that, that maybe have taken, you know, been more in a more support role or kind of in a back office role, but they're, that are now taking a, a more front office position and ownership position in a lot of rental companies. Sure. Well, uh, so, Tony, let's take, a, uh, I guess, a deeper look into those two initiatives. And, uh, you know, first of all, many organizations, including associations, uh, struggle with recruiting, engaging, and retaining uh, young professionals. Uh, how it seems like ARA's Young professional network is thriving at this point. So, what 
What are y'all at ARA doing differently here? Well, a few things. Um, two years ago, our president, Mark Gilbertson, um, said that we ought to look at, we had a young professionals network prior to that. <clears throat> and it was sort of a loose, um, a loose group of, of folks that we recognized but didn't have any particular programming around and didn't have a formal committee established for them. And Mark said, you know, we, we ought to give these folks a voice. They're too important to the future of the industry to not have a voice in, in the decision-making that happens at the association level. So in the fall of 2017, we established the Young Professionals Committee to let them drive the programming of the products and resources that the, associ- the association was, was developing, and also really to, to give them a seat at the table um, in the boardroom. So once a year, they are present at one of the ARA national board meetings. So over this past summer, we had the y, uh, YP chair um, in Moline for the board meeting and more importantly, the strategic planning session that happened over two days in Moline. So it was really great to have, uh, to have the young professionals represented at, at the highest level of decision-making in the association. And I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't say one of the goals that we set out for this, for this group uh, in the fall of 2017 was to get to 1,000 people. At the time, we were around five or 600. And literally as of today, we can say we hit 1,000 registered young professionals in the, uh, wow. in the association. So it's kind of cool that it happened today, and I can, uh, I can announce it on the show. I wish you had had that when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, uh, th- that is the future of the industry. So, uh, also, I, I, won't, I couldn't go far without talking about the new logo and the brand messaging uh, that uh, recently changed. Was any of that done specifically to appeal to younger people? For sure. So, you know, I, I really did not come into this role um, planning to make those sort of changes. You know, I, I called it my listening tour when I went out for the first year and sat down with as many folks as I could get to and just listen to them about, you know, their story, um, what they wanted out of the association, what they thought would happen in the future. And a lot of that came back to just a need to be a little more relevant to young professionals. So, you know, upping our game in terms of social media, upping our game in terms of our, our messaging and marketing. And some people were, were pointed enough to say, you know, I think the logo is a little bit tired. I think we need to, we need to take a look at that because it, I don't know that it appeals to my son or daughter is, is kind of what I heard. So we did a little, um, we did a little surveying of folks to, to understand, you know, is there a real affinity or connection to that logo? <clears throat> and what we got back was not really. Uh, the logo had been around for 40 years, um, so, you know, it, it was certainly familiar, but nobody saw it and felt, you know, any particular affection around it. So we, um, we put together a, brand, a rebranding committee and, of course, included uh, young professionals on that committee, associate members as well, and we just started down the path of, of identifying what the goals of, of a new logo would be, what the goals of a new uh, messaging campaign would be, and uh, it took us about six months to come up with some really what we thought were viable concepts, and every time we came to a kind of a key decision point, 
we would bring the Young Professional Committee uh, in its entirety together, eight or nine people, and tell them where we were, what we were thinking, and show them either the concepts or the, or the options that we were considering. And in one case, they really reinforced what we were doing. And in another case, they said, we don't really like that. That, that doesn't resonate with us. That doesn't seem to make sense. And it kind of forced us to go in a different direction. And that happened to be with the, with the ARA show logo. So it, is, uh, it really benefited the association to have this group of people available and understanding what we were trying to accomplish so that we could quickly call a meeting, uh, you know, a 90-minute meeting and, and roll things out in front of them and have, um, have them give us some really good feedback on, on how to move forward. So the logo itself, uh, you know, we launched in July. The messaging, we, we tightened up a little bit just to make it more inclusive. We used to talk about the uh, equipment rental industry, and now it's the equipment and event rental community when we're talking to our members. Um, one of the things we found out in our surveys was that in, in the party and event segment, equipment doesn't really resonate with them as they look at their and consider their inventory, right? They, they just didn't feel like we were including them in our messaging. Right. So we called out specifically events. And, and then on the industry side, the young professionals really said that does not resonate with us. You know, we think of, of smokestacks and, and factories when we hear the word industry. And we, we think we're a much more social group and, and a word like community is better represents who we are. So that's how we ended up with the logo and, and the tagline uh, that we launched in, in July. You know, and it's interesting that that's happening because even last week's show, I talked about new things that, that businesses should look at as the first of the year. And one of them I mentioned was storefronts and images that have been around for 20 years. And sometimes you just got to give yourself a new look to, to get somebody's attention. So I think ARA was spot on and doing something about it, quite frankly. Uh, so congratulations on, on that. Uh, Thank you. You mentioned, you, you mentioned also... Uh, that the association has started a women in rental group. How did this come about and what do you hope this group can accomplish? Is it uh, similar to the young professionals or, or what is that? It, it is similar to the young professionals, but I think it, it's, um, there are unique challenges uh, that the women have that, you know, that go beyond what young professionals would face. Some are certainly similar but some very different. <clears throat> so when I started, there were, uh, there were a few women on the board. Uh, today, I can say out of our 18-person board, we have five women. Um, and there was a sense that, uh, you know, well, no, nobody felt particularly ostracized or excluded, that we just didn't do a good, good enough job of recognizing um, the, the work that women do. You know, a lot of our businesses are family-owned, and it's a husband and wife. But most of the time, you know, the business owner was referred to as the husband, and it, it didn't include the wife. So we, when we started talking about that at the board, um, it became clear that even in, in the vernacular that we use, the chairman, um, that that was not very inclusive terminology. So, you know, we, we went through and updated our bylaws and all of the references that we make in, in terms of um, board roles and committees and changed it to board chair or committee chair instead of chairman because the women said, you know, if I'm in that role, I don't want to be referred to as a chairman. You know, that, that doesn't make sense to me. So we started with some simple changes like that that just recognized that, that this is, you know, it's a male-dominated industry and it, it's been, uh, and it, it, so all the language has been created that way. 
But in terms of the of the um, programming products and services, you know, were there some specific things that we could do to a support women, women owners, women workers that are in the industry today, and uh, and just as important, can we create some some tools or resources that will help attract women to this industry? Um, you know, everyone, as you know, is is banging their head against the wall trying to figure out how we find good employees and, and keep them in the rental industry. Well, we can't ignore half the population, you know, if we're going to solve that problem. So being, uh, being relevant to, uh, to women, I think is going to be really important um, as we, you know, as, as one of the components for helping to solve the, the labor shortage that everyone faces uh, uh, in this industry. And I think you've got a special meeting coming up with them at the show, right? We do. So what's, what's really great is that um, our, our president-elect, Beth Hoff Blackmer, she'll be the, the 58th president um, in 2020. Uh, this year, uh, 2019, she'll be the president-elect. She's the second president in ARA history. So the, uh, the, other pre- the, first women, the first woman was Pam McKinney in 1997, so you know, roughly 20 years later. We're getting uh, the second female president for the association. So the, the time is right. Um, Beth is going to be an awesome president. Um, she's really passionate about you know, helping everyone, but certainly um, driving, driving women in rental. And as we started talking to a group of, of really passionate women over the summer, one of the things that came out is, you know, they said, hey, let's, let's do something at the show. Let's not wait until 2020. Let's do something in 2019 to get an understanding of um, what women want in this industry. So we, uh, we developed a survey, and, uh, and that went out, and the results are back, and, and we're sifting through those, and that's one of the agenda items for, for next, week's, uh, next week's committee meeting. But what is really cool is without almost any advertising, we put a, uh, a breakfast on the agenda at the show. Um, it is for Tuesday morning, February 19th, uh, from 7.45 to 8.45. And we expect that we're going to have 300 women signed up for that breakfast. Wow, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. That is really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, as, as a little side joke, if you can figure out what women want on my second marriage, you can write a book for us. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that we're going to take that on in this, uh, in this committee, Donald, but, uh, duly noted. Yeah. Okay. And, and, uh, Tony can't go too much further without talking about the ARO show in general and how are things shaping up for Anaheim? Yeah. So it's been a long time, uh, since we've been in Anaheim, it'll be, uh, 16 years, I guess. I think 2003 was the last time that the show was there. Um, so the, uh, the West coast will, will, will finally get some representation with ARA. I know we were out to, to Vegas a few times, but, uh, it's been a long time since we've been to Southern California and the, uh, the Anaheim convention center is a wonderful facility. The show, the registration is, uh, is shaping up pretty much right to our plan. So it's, uh, again, over 700 exhibitors, roughly uh, 10% of those, 70 are brand new to the ARA show. Um, the the um, education lineup is going to be awesome. I think uh, the speaker should be, uh, should be pretty interesting. I know there's a lot of people that love him and a lot of people that don't love Mr. Wonderful, but I think Kevin O'Leary is going to have a very pointed message as a business owner and investor around what works and what doesn't work. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited to get to Anaheim uh, in God, just over a month. 
And just look, looking over the program, congratulations on the choice of subjects. I mentioned that on my show last week also, uh, that it's really interesting. And any member who doesn't take advantage of it, especially those on the West Coast, uh, you know, ought to, ought to kick themselves. But uh, anyway, let's, so, so let's let's move on. Uh, anxious uh, for the show to take place. It's always a great attendance. Uh, but I want to dig into uh, just recently, last week, uh, you came out with a new strategic plan that was published. And so how, how is it different and, and does it change what the association does for both the member side of the business and also the, the manufacturers and suppliers that uh, support the business? Yeah, thanks a lot, uh, Donald. This, is, uh, this has also been uh, in the works for almost two years. And the, the, the previous plan, it, it worked well for us. You know, like I said, the, the association is really on strong footing. So we, we've had a good plan. We're always, we're always marching uh, in step with, with where the board and the committees want us to go. But everyone felt like, it, you know, given some of the changes, like we mentioned in the industry with consolidation, um, continuing to, uh, to kind of gobble folks up and get really big companies at the top, um, the younger folks and, and women being more represented, that it was time to take a step back and not iterate on previous plans, but do a completely new strategic plan, resurvey our members, and figure out where it is people want us to invest and, and support them in the future. So um, over that year and a half, we talked to associate members. Uh, we did interviews with the top 25 uh, manufacturers. We interviewed the top 10 construction rental companies, and of course, all of the uh, you know our, our uh, core members, the the smaller mom and pop organizations. And what was amazing was how consistent the feedback was, even even um, between the really big companies and really small companies. And we ended up um, coming out of the session this summer with these five, what we're calling the five strategic areas of focus being education, workforce development, technology, market intelligence, and consumer awareness. Those were the five areas that everyone asked for more support and we felt as an association that we were in a position to really deliver value, uh, deliver value in terms of products and services in those areas. Well, let me, let me pick on one of those. You know, I, I see workforce development which we all know is a major concern in not just our industry, but many, many industries, including the construction industry. Uh, going forward, uh, what can ARA do to, to help address the shortage of, of really quality personnel? So that's a really good question. And the honest answer is, I, I, we're not sure. Um, we've got some ideas around things that, that we can do. Um, what I don't want to do is reinvent the wheel because any organization, whether it's a large company, medium-sized company, small company, or association, um, has some flavor of a workforce development program going on today. So, you know, I think part of the problem is we have just, we've splintered the resources so much to drive this issue that it, it's, it's hard to understand, um, you know, how we make a lot of progress with all these splintered issues or splintered efforts. So one of the things that we want to do is arm our members with the resources they need to compete at the local level. Because just like a rental happens, you know, locally, 
a hire happens locally. You know, you're, you're not in Maine trying to hire somebody in Southern California. So part of, part of our plan is to give our members w- what we're calling uh, a resource kit. And it might include things like how to go to a job fair with a, with a tabletop display. So you've got a, you've got your, um, logoed material, you've got some collateral, you might have a pull-up banner uh, and, and your tabletop cover so that you can go to an event and talk about your company um, and why it's special and why somebody would want to come work for you. But you can do it in a professional way, right, with some resources that come from the association that you're probably, as a small company of maybe less than 10 people, not going to have the time or energy to put together. So, uh, you know, what we're thinking now is that the best way that we can help people is to give our members resources to go into schools and talk about the rental industry. So there's, we certainly know there's just an awareness issue, people not understanding that this is an industry that has uh, really good jobs that can turn into careers for the right people. Um, but also just be able to do that kind of hand-to-hand combat at a trade show, at a local show or job fair, where you're going to have large companies there vying for talent. You know, you've got to be able to present yourself in a professional way that's going to get a potential candidate's uh, attention. So if we can set our members up to do that, then I think we're, we're starting down the path of, of helping our members get more people into the top of the funnel so that hopefully we get more people coming out of the bottom and taking jobs uh, with our members. Well, I think this sounds like some real valuable tools to, to handle uh, job fairs and, and, and the like, as you mentioned. Uh, kind of a, a question along the same lines is another uh, strategic uh, event is uh, technology as a focus area. And so what do you what do you hope to accomplish here? Well, you know, you, you can't avoid technology. So I, I think um, we don't want to be in the position of picking winners and losers. Uh, that's not our role as the association. But I think we can add a lot of value by being the platform for bringing technology forward and getting the most progressive companies uh, that are adopting technology with those providers together to talk about how we maybe standardize some of these some of these opportunities and, and bring them to more members in rental. So we can we can do that obviously through the magazine. Uh, that's that's pretty widely read and uh, it's easy to cover things there. But we're also thinking about things like a, a technology expo, doing a small show where, and it might be an every other year sort of thing right now, it, it's really in the planning and, and planning stage where we're talking about bringing maybe 100 people together, but really focused on the technologies that can advance rental and getting the folks together that have the best opportunity to integrate those and standardize those where necessary, but put them in front of, of the real decision makers in the rental industry and let them figure out, you know, who the winners and losers are, but do it in a in a in an organized and structured manner so that we can sort of keep evolving this and keep moving it forward and give technology providers a channel to our decision makers in the industry. I think it's a, I think it's a great idea, and, and uh, I always tell my kids on technology stupid. So I think anything that'll help uh, grow there will will be good for everybody. Uh, Tony, I have one <laughs> last, sure. I have, I have one last question for you before we switch over to Phil because we've got about 25 minutes left. Uh, there is a lot going on uh, right now, and things have been really good for the industry for the last number of years. 
What are your concerns going forward as a CEO of ARA? Well, certainly the, the biggest concern on everyone's mind is uh, a potential economic slowdown. Um, you know, when I talk to folks beyond the finding the, the talent and, and everybody knows that's an issue, but I think we're, we're all, you know, the, the industry is working together to try to solve that problem. But what, what's hard for us to, to solve is, is something that, that, um, that we can't really control or influence a whole lot, which are decisions in Washington, D.C., right, around tariffs, um, around uh, um, infrastructure. I mean, things that we know help all businesses, not just rental. So there's a lot of trepidation right now um, around what, what we can't control, which is people that are making decisions that impact the economy, um, some strange ge- geopolitical event that might hit us, I think as long as we have a pro-business agenda um, and, and legislation that allows people to compete fairly, we're pretty happy to, um, to make pay in the rental industry. So I don't think anything outside of, of a macroeconomic issue right now is, is of major concern, and at least in 2019 and 2020. So we're all crossing our fingers that uh, that logic prevails here and, and, and lets us and lets us play the way we want to we want to play, which is just give us a fair a fair and competitive field to uh, to roll our team out on and um, and we'll take whatever comes at us. Well, it is it's tough to use the word logic in Washington all in the same sentence, but I understand where you're coming from for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but Tony, I, I want to I really want to thank you for uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule today to to visit with us. Uh, we're going to jump over to to Phil now. Uh, you're welcome to hang on or or do what you have to do, uh, but it, I think it's important that uh, we talk about ARA insurance while I have everybody together like this. So again, thank you for your time. Okay, you got it. Okay, uh, so now we're going to shift to Phil. Uh, Phil is the president and CEO of ARA Insurance and ARA Insurance Limited. Uh, the ARA Insurance Program is the number one insurer of the members of the ARA, which serves the equipment rental industry. The industry includes, as we all know, uh, rental of construction and industrial equipment, general tools, and party and event equipment, uh, with U.S. revenues exceeding uh, estimated $53 billion. Uh, AIL is a captive reinsurance company that exclusively serves the ARA insurance program. Phil's got over 35 years of experience in insurance and risk management. He's an undergraduate in, uh, in finance and a master's in safety management from Northern Illinois University. He has received his chartered property and casualty underwriter designation and is a certified safety professional and certified program leader. Again, Phil, welcome to the show. Thank you, Donald. Okay. So uh, i got a list of questions for you. Uh, I've, I've dealt with insurance over my whole career. And so uh, I know it's, it's uh, I know insurance coverage is a very important area for the rental stores, and I know that uh, this is probably the one area that most owners dislike dealing with. Uh, you know, Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> I've had insurance described to me as an umbrella, and, you know, I buy one every year and keep it in the corner for when it rains, but uh, I dread having to use it because I know when it rains, I'm still going to get wet. So what are your thoughts? Well, you're right, you're right Donald. Unfortunately, you're, you're, you're correct. When it rains, when there's an accident or a claim, no one wins. You know, even if the claim is denied or thrown out, you know, there's going to be an investigation. There's going to be defense costs. It has 
it's, there's a reputational risk there because uh, they're reading about it in the papers if it's a very serious one, and it just eats up the, the owner's time and, and the whole company's time. It just sucks the life out of you. Uh, but here, well, here, here's an example. We had a customer. Uh, they ran an tar- a, a boom lift, an articulating boom. And uh, the lift was relatively new. The same lift had been rented by the same customer in the past. Uh, but this guy had a chainsaw. And, of course, you know what he's doing. He's trimming, trimming the trees. And you can't know what the rest of the story is because he contacted the power line and he didn't survive. Mm. Now, fortunately, you know, there's a strong rental contract, good maintenance records, well-documented, recent inspection. You know, nothing was wrong with the equipment. You know, moreover, you know, this is enough very favorable jurisdiction. You know, some jurisdictions, and I'll mention, I'll throw out California as one, uh, where you get eaten up no matter what. But good ju- jurisdiction, good defense attorney. Uh, so the case, actually, we won the case. Nothing was paid to the claimant, but it still costs money. It, it, uh, you know, when this accident hit the papers, everybody knew about it. But when it was, it was found that there was nothing wrong, no fault of the store, there wasn't a whisper in the papers. So, right. you know, it took an enormous amount of time and cost a lot of money. You know, and that's what happens to large, nasty claimers. They just suck the life out of business. Takes hours and hours of time, cost you money, takes you away from your business and hurts your reputation. That's just the the way it, it works. It's it's. Uh, I mean that that's an awful situation, and I can unfortunately say that through my career, uh, I've had some people that didn't make it uh, th- through the rental, uh, so to speak. So uh, I mean, so so what does a what does a rental person do? Uh, you know, to, to help prevent that? Well, the first thing is you don't want to have accidents. Now, it's easy to say, you know, and the way, way you do that is just run the best business possible. You, you try to account for all the risks, take all, all the steps to reduce the risk. You start with buying quality equipment, rental-ready equipment, keep it maintained in top conditions, document every, every time the equipment's touched, you know, train your employees, familiarize the customers, uh, keep excellent records, you know. Oh, and the other thing is the rental contract. The rental contract is the first line of defense. You know, it, it, and that contract needs to be customized to your business, and it is a contract. you got to make it as strong as, it, as you can make it. Uh, uh, Donald, I believe earlier you had a podcast with James Waite. Correct. And, and that's correct, yeah. Uh, James specializes in contracts. He's worked in, con- in equipment rental contracts all his life, all his legal profession. And uh, we work with him. Uh, he will do a full analysis of our insureds, and he'll, he'll, he'll do that for free. And the, he will make sure that they are protected the best that they can be. You know? So he will do analysis, say, here's where your weaknesses are, and, and help, help our customers fix this. It's cheap protection. First you know, last last week in the show, talking about the new year, as I, I reiterated that that uh, you know it's time for to take a look at your contract and mention James's name again uh, right. to say that uh, you know it's really what's in black and white. Forget about what happens with the accident, but it's how the contract reads that's going to either uh, you know make you survive or uh, or kill right. you one way or the other. <laughs> I would suggest they look at this at least every three years at minimum. 
Yeah. But, you know, with all the things that, that you just said uh, could list a number of full-time jobs in their own right. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's a big I mean, mouthful. I think, you, I think your list just yeah. kind of hit some of the high points about it, right? Yeah, I, I only hit the high points. And, uh, yeah, as an independent businessman, it, it is tough to be an independent businessman. But bottom line, a business person has to do the best they can and just keep working at it. It's never going to be perfect. And, and, but you just need to try. And, and it's not only going to, by doing this, trying to make yourself as perfect as you can be, you know, they'll save money over the long run. You know, but the, the key is you can't do it by yourself. And fortunately, there's a lot of help out there. You know, first place to look uh, is all the resources available through the American Rental Association. Then they, you know, go to other store owners. This is a sharing industry. You know that. Yeah. And uh, go to the associate members, the, the manufacturer of the equipment. Come to ARA Insurance. Uh, we have a risk management department. Our preferred agents specialize in the equipment rental industry. They know a lot. They've seen a lot. Uh, they've seen a lot of rental claims. Uh, I, I just urge everyone to learn from others, not the hard way. And, and, you know, to, to reiterate on that, I think of all the claims uh, in my career that I've been involved with, the number one thing they ask for is maintenance records on the equipment. Right. They want to know who touched it. So that's a, it's an important part of it also, obviously. That's uh, right. So, you know, the, the theme of what you and I are talking about is insurance, and this is kind of the first mention of really the word insurance. So let's talk yeah. about that a little bit. And that's kind of my background. You know, my, my view is you don't want to spend all your money on buying insurance. Uh, insurance is just a financing vehicle. It's some, how do you pay for the claim after the occurrence of fear or, or whatever. So, uh, you know, insurance policy is written just so it spreads the, the cost of the claim out. And the one thing that that our members need to understand, our insurers need to understand, is it is a contract, is a legal contract, and so they have to get the best legal contract they can. Uh, some of the large companies can self-insure, you know, so they they, but all large companies, whatever, buy some form of insurance. Uh, but what I would urge is, first focus is try to reduce the losses. And and then buy the insurance, uh, but I, I think that's you know I think that's what you're, we're dealing with here. Well, and you know, insurance companies in general, please don't take this the wrong way. Uh, people have the have the feeling that uh, they deny, deny, deny right off the bat. Right. And just, tr- right. just try to outweigh them. So, what does ARA Insurance do different? Uh, and frank, frankly, there are some companies out there. And, and they get a reputation. They look for ways to deny the claim. Basically, it is a legal contract, so and it can be interpreted differently. But ARA Insurance, the first thing we do is we look for ways to pay the claim, not to deny it. So we want to provide the best benefit for our insurance. Because basically, insurance contract is just simply a promise. And you have to fulfill those promises. And the better we can fulfill our promises that's that's what makes it happen so we have a a contract that's built for the rental industry uh 
The other thing that's important is that we are owned by the American Rental Association. Uh, we have prof- rental professionals on the board of directors as well as insurance professionals. Uh, our our members expect to be expect us to fully understand the needs of the equipment rental industry, and they expect their claims to be paid. You know, the ARA is not for profit, and ARA insurance, while it is for profit, I say it's driven to serve our members. You know, not not to make a profit, and uh, so the whole focus of ARA insurance is totally different than you know, the companies who are owned by stockholders. Right, right, and members who are involved with the industry. I think I think that's a very wise thing to do. Uh, you know, over my years in the industry, I learned a lot. Uh, but frankly, insurance policies are something I don't really have the time or patience to read. I think most people don't because they're like 20 pages or so of fine print. Uh, right. so, so how does one choose the, the best value uh, when you try to protect your business? Well, uh, you can't base it on price because you don't understand. Uh, it's very difficult, even insurance agents. Uh, have issues with understanding the actual nits and nets of the insurance contract. So the first thing you have to do is you have to decide, all right, what coverages do I need and what services do I require? And and then price is very important, of course, but it, it's difficult when you think you're buying an apple and it turns out to be a lemon. So... Right. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's the problem is that you decide what kind of coverages you need and the services you require and make sure that, that you ask for that. But, you know, and, and I understand that, uh, and it's easy for you to say being in the industry, but, but you know, all I know as a, as a rental operator is I want my, uh, my claim paid, uh, and it's right. the fine print that, that gets us. Right, right. Well, I admit, you know, it's not easy. I know that. Uh, so, again, And I'm not trying to help. throw you under the bus, okay? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I get that. I get that. I admit, you know, it's not easy. The, ask for help. The first thing you do is you go to a trusted advisor. You need an insurance agent who, not just any agent, you need an insurance agent that knows the rental industry and then gets to know you as personally as a customer and your specific needs and and then... He, that agent needs to work with a company that knows rental. And, and uh, well, let, let me give you an example, because not any agent will do. Here's an example, and a very real example. A local agent who, who's never worked in the real industry, but he's a good agent, has been around for a while, uh, sells you a policy, and you, and the, and you ask, do, you, do I have theft coverage? And you say, sure, of course you do. And, and the, the agent assures you, yes, you have coverage. Uh, so he's not lying to you because most basic insurance policies cover theft of contact, almost all of them the, cover theft of con- contents, but the contents have, or whatever the equipment has to be within 100 or maybe 1,000 feet of the building. So the agent's not lying to you, but what happens is when... Your brand new skid steer disappears. Someone walks off with it. Uh, you put in your claim, and the adjuster explains, "Well, that's not a theft. It wasn't stolen. You gave it to him." 
<laughs> they just failed to return it. There's a contract here, and you have to deal with a contract. There's a contractual issue, so you have to go to the courts. It's not, it's not an insurance issue. And that's the difference between rental and retail stores that just sell pro- products. So understanding rental and understanding what the needs are you know, are very important. Oh, and, and here's probably, I don't want to bore you with this, but here's another example. A uh, rental store, you know, most, most policies are written on actual cash value, meaning depreciated, depreciated value. Right. And uh, what rental needs, though, is replacement cost because what, what is important to know is the equipment is the stream of income. Without the equipment to rent, there's, there's no income. And so our, our members need the equipment returned quickly, very fast. And they need full replacement costs because they, what are they going to do? Uh, buy, uh, I think there are commercials out there that says, why, why you only buy? A, with, I, they gave me half my value back, and right. I can't buy a car with that. But that's the, the way it works. So right. uh, at Area Insurance, we provide replacement cost coverage. The other fact is that, you know, we want our members to have new equipment because it's safer. Frequently, the new safety features have been added. It's, new, it's operating better, and the better the, the equipment is operated, uh, the less chance of an accident. It, it's less likely source of injury or, or damage. So you'd and rather for, update the fleet than give them something used, obviously. Right. Right. So, so you know, we want that to happen, and that's why we always give uh, replacement cost. And and then to continue this, I hate to, to go on about this, but there's a, a clause in most insurance policies that says equipment will be replaced with like, kind, and quality. Uh, so, and, and we used to have that in, in our policy. But one day... I had I had a insured that that I knew, and he had a bobcat scared kid steer, and so he had his bobcat stolen. I uh, what he did is he when that was stolen we replaced the bobcat, and then he immediately turned around and replaced it with a mini with a mini uh, backhoe or a mini uh, excavator excavator and. So he, and he thought I'd be mad about it. And I thought, well, why are we making our customers jump through hoops? So we changed it now. So we replace rental for rental. If they're switching to party event, that's fine, you know. And you, and you have a skid steer there, it gets stolen, replace, and he wants tents, fine, perfectly all right. Want two or three mowers and a trailer instead of the, the uh, bobcat or the skid steer, perfectly all right. So our insurers will be paid up to replacement cost of the lost equipment to buy the rental equipment. It's rental for rental. That's all we ask. So it's a financial uh, claim that's paid to the rental operator rather than money to reimburse that specific item. Right. Right. Exactly. That makes sense. That makes sense. Never heard of that before, but that's good. <laughs> well, and, and that's because we listen to our members. You know, that's it wasn't my idea. It's like, you know, we listen to our members, and that's the value of having members on our board of directors and just knowing their, their rental industry. Yeah. So, Phil, let me, let me ask you this. Some some years ago, and I, I think it was around the time that I was on the board, so don't age me, uh, but 
the ARA formed its own insurance company. And so why, why did that happen? Well, the insurance markets go through cycle. You know, in a soft market, prices are low, coverage is readily available. In a hard market, prices get are increased drastically, and uh, coverage is reduced. And typically, when you need it the most, it's neither not available or it's so expensive our members can't afford it. And uh, our members need proper coverage, stable pricing. That's so important to them. Back in 1977, uh, were you on the board back then? Uh, yes, but, I'm, I'm but, pretty, pretty close. <laughs> probably about that around that time. But anyway, that, that was a very hard market. It was almost impossible to find any coverage at all, much less the higher risk coverage, which is considered to be uh, rental. And our members cried out to ARA. ARA listened, and they formed an insurance agency. And why an agency does, it just brings the buyer and the seller together. And that, and that was a good first step. But basically, you know, basically ARA needed to gain control. So the next step ARA took is uh, formed ARA Insurance Limited. This is a reinsurance company. And, and all, all, all insurance companies share risk by purchasing insurance from other insurance companies. So we... ARA formed an insurance company, ARA Insurance Limited, the reinsurance company, and then we started taking a small portion of the risk. But now, you know, now after many years, we've been doing this since for 18 years now, we've owned ARA Insurance Limited, and now we take the major portion by, and by owning our own reinsurance company, we're in control. We, we can say, here's the coverage that we want. We don't have to rely upon an insurance company. We can we can dictate the coverages our members need and control our claims better, and uh, it just helps stabilize us and keep our price down. Right. I, re- I remember that period of time when we our company actually went bare without general liability insurance for a year. Oh, yeah. And, oh. and it was the most gut-wrenching uh, right. year of everything that went out the door, but, uh, you know, mostly we survived it. So, uh, so, yep. so why... You know, in our industry, it's so expensive to insure equipment rentals and the business in general. Well, uh, part of it is because no one understands rental, and and because and Phil, Phil, we only and, got and, about three minutes left, so you might right, have to cut some of this. I'll try to make this fast. <laughs> you know, and, and basically, an actuary looks at the losses, and the losses uh, they predict the losses, and they predict whether or not they can make a profit. And equipment rental is not very predictable because you don't have a lot of claims, but when you do, they can be big and nasty. And so actuaries don't understand it, so they price it high. The other issue is theft, of, theft is a big problem. Everybody wants our you know, stuff that rental stores rent. Uh, auto losses are a problem. Uh, it, it's a high-risk industry. You know, liability is a real problem. Right. Uh, uh, and I can go on and on and on. But it, I think the bottom line is rental is different. And the better you understand it, the better the better pricing, the better coverage you're going to have and everything else. So you got to work with someone who knows rental. Right. Well, I think you and I could uh, should continue this in a future show because there's so many more aspects that I'd love to get into 
uh, that, that I don't really have time to today, but uh, please uh, tell me that you'll come back and visit again. And we can of course. Hold another, I have another show again. I have a lot of stories uh, to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I think when you explain it in a story like that, it makes a lot more sense to understand uh, somebody who's been through it before. I mean, I've, like I said, I've I've actually had people, you know, killed with equipment, and it's it's gut wrenching uh, to, yeah. to see the families. And of course, the insurance companies say, don't contact them, don't send them flowers, uh, you know, don't send anything to the cemetery. It's, as much as your heart goes out to the family, right? It's equipment. Gotta have a heart. That, that causes a lot of that. So, uh, right. and, and and just in, in closing, I really want to thank Phil and Tony for uh, taking the time out of their schedules today to, to talk with me. And again, I, I hope both of you will come back and we'll have a, a, another chat about the whole industry again. So uh, thank you again uh, for, for coming on. Uh, remember, as always, you can uh, listen on demand. And uh, again, I want to thank our sponsor, uh, ARA Insurance Services and all the valuable information that, that Tony and Phil have brought to the table today. Uh, I hope some of the issues discussed today either helped or provoked some more questions for the success of your business. And Phil, I'm sure your agents will be getting some calls uh, after this show when they hear it. <laughs> and always, oh, you can you- find us online. So, all right. <laughs> and how 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 is it best to contact you? Well, uh, just. Pick up the phone, go on, on to ARAinsure.com. Uh, you can go uh, access us through the ARA. Pick up the phone, call us at 800-821-6580, which is our number here. We, we always have a real-life person to answer, which is unusual in this day and age, or call ARA. Right. Okay. They'll, they'll get in contact. We'll get someone with you. Very good. So to everyone, if you'd like to be a guest, suggest a guest, advertise, or have a question, please keep writing to me at rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com. My quote for the day is is from uh, a well-known executive, Jack Welsh, who built GE. And he says, in my experience, an effective mission statement basically answers one question. How do we intend to win in this business? And I think every rental operator goes to work every morning thinking that's that same thing with one mission statement in mind. Uh, so, again, this is Donald Charbonnet. Call me the diehard of the rental industry. Uh, be safe and good renting, and thanks again to our guest today. Back to you, Voice America. Thank you for tuning in to Rental Equip Talk Radio. Be sure to join your host, Donald Charbonnet, next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, have a great week. Genie Aerial Pros is one of the most comprehensive industry websites focused on safety and standards, service, and new products and applications. The Genie Aerial Pros site features experts in aerial and rental markets with five decades of experience and shared knowledge. You'll also get information on upcoming industry and company events, videos, training, and more. The Genie Aerial Pros website is available on a wide variety of platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or through our own website at genielift.com. 
The Genie Z60-37FE Boom Lift is at the forefront of true hybrid technology. It is actually two machines in one that can be used for both indoor and outdoor applications. The Genie difference is a lower cost of operation and cleaner performance. The Genie 60-37FE Boom Lift is more fuel efficient, driven by high-efficiency AC motors, which means lower emissions too. Check out the Genie FE difference today. Visit genielift.com. Genie Genuine Parts undergo testing on long-term durability and reliability, which means higher equipment resale values and warranties for you. You don't want to waste time and money on generic parts or even counterfeit parts, especially in the long run. Genie Genuine Parts are factory fitted and field tested to the highest of standards, which means more machine uptime. We also have free ground freight on orders of $750 or more from our two parts warehouses. Go to genielift.com to find out more. Have you tried the new generation of Genie XC Booms? The XC stands for extra capacity, and with new technology in the design, the Genie XC Booms carry a higher load with dual capacity capability, compliant to global industry standards. Save time while you increase productivity. The new Genie XC Booms are common in design, parts, and accessories for easier servicing. For more information about the Genie family of XC Boom Lifts, visit genielift.com. That's genielift.com.